Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, it's the season of the year when we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, God's Son, into our history and into our lives, and Christians celebrate this in all kinds of ways. One of the ways is to sing Christmas carols, and the person I'm talking to today on the Beeson podcast is a carol writer, among many, many other things. He is Joseph Bottom, a widely published published essayist and poet. He's written for many, many journals, well-known Wall Street Journal, Atlantic, former editor-in-chief of First Things, former literary editor of the Weekly Standard. I go on all about what what Joseph Bottom has done. I'm particularly interested in the fact that he's with us today to talk about some Christmas carols he's written recently. Welcome, Jody. Thank you so much for having me, Timothy. I want to begin with a blog post that you wrote not, not very long ago, why write Christmas carols in the zombie era? What do Christmas carols have to do with zombies? Well, you know, the managing editor of that website, that religious website, Pathios, uh, is a wonderful woman named Elizabeth Scalia, who has blogged for years under the name The Anchoress. Mm. And uh, I sent her a note, a pleading note, saying, Elizabeth, I, I've written these new carols that have been recorded by a studio down in Nashville. Is there any chance you could promote them? And good managing editor that she is, she sent me a note saying, uh, I'll promote them if you'll give me a piece for my online magazine. Ah. And so I wrote, uh, Why Write Christmas Carols in the Zombie Era for Her? And my argument was it was a slightly perverse and comic one of saying our television, our popular literature, our movies are filled with the supernatural these days. Mm. Uh, the writer David Goldwyn estimates that one out of seven movies out of Hollywood contains ghosts, vampires, or zombies. Wow. And, uh, I, and I asked, the question, you know, why are we doing that? Why is yeah. that so alive now? And the answer I came up with is the general answer I have for the problem and the condition of art in our age, Timothy, which is that the world appears to us to lack enchantment. Mm. It does not seem to us in ordinary experience or even in much of our art that in that great line of Leonard Cohen's, God is alive and magic is afoot. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't look out and see God radiating in things. We don't perceive the stars as symbolic. We don't uh, perceive creation as analogical, as though every blade of grass were singing these little hymns of creation. Mm. I'm not talking about pantheism. I'm yeah. talking about the way the world used to talk to us about God. Yeah. And no longer seems to do that in our experience. That's what I mean by enchantment. You know, that's a and, word, Jody, that I guess Max Weber kind of introduced into our conversation mm-hmm. in the early 20th century, talking about the demystification of modern right. life. And it yeah, seems he got to, it out of the poet Schiller. Yeah. Uh, and he, but he evolved it into a sociological description of what happened in modernity with the coming of the modern age. And he called it the disenchantment of the world. Mm. Now, there are ages 
in, after modernity began, in which the world still seemed more or less enchanted. But I think it's come to a kind of full disenchantment in our own time. And, Timothy, I hate it. Mm. I, 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 you know, it, <laughs> it, it breaks at my heart. Yeah. That you can't just hear the world as alive. And one of the ways, one of the selfish ways I hate it, is that it makes art very, very difficult. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's now, very... that's a selfish reason for disliking it. I also dislike it because I think if the world isn't testifying, if, our, if we put blinders on and can no longer see the world testifying to the fact that it is created, and thereby testifying to the existence of God and the promise of salvation, if we, know, if we have blinders on and can no longer see that, then the real reason to uh, hate these blinders is that it, it, it threatens souls in the world and their salvation. Mm. But my selfish reason for also hating it, or hating it more, is the one that it makes art so difficult. It's hard to write a poem. Yeah. It's hard to write a novel. Uh, one of the places, though, Timothy, it occurred to me, with the work I've been doing in lyrics for some while now, uh, and I should mention my last poetry book, The Second Spring, was an exploration of lyrics as species of poetry. Yeah. But I've been thinking about this for a long time. And it struck me that one of the places where you can still kind of assume an enchantment in in people's experience is Christmas. Yeah, and, and the, the world seems thick with symbols at Christmas time. Still, the world tilts a little bit, and and we do kind mm-hmm. of enter into a different uh, sense of perception about reality through Christmas. Now, not all of this is, let's say, Christ-centered. Some of it is quite uh, bizarre and maybe even neo-pagan in some ways, but there is an opportunity here to speak anew and afresh into this kind of disenchanted world out of a message that comes to us from a world beyond us. And, exactly, Timothy. And carols, I guess. Uh, to, what is a carol? I mean, we, we all grew up listening to carols, and we sing. There used to be this tradition of going around the neighborhood from house to house singing carols. What is a carol? Well, there's a technical definition among, uh, you know, music scholars, uh, involving the ways in which, uh, certain notes are held, certain modes are employed, certain keys are used to give it the adjective typically used here is anthemic, to make it like an anthem. Mm. Uh, but I don't mean it in that sense because, you know, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel seems to me an advent carol. Mm. So it's in a minor key. Yes. Uh, as a lot of actually the old carols are, uh, you know, God rest you merry gentlemen, uh, modulates in the chorus to a minor key. It's always very strange if you think <laughs> about it musically. And yet somehow we all sing along quite joyously yeah. as it plays off. That's one of my favorite uh, carols. <laughs> so that, you know, the, the strict definition of carols won't work, but carols in the church tradition, in the, the long tradition of, of mere Christianity has always had a musical element. Uh, the, the carol uh, has been deployed for any number of holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas has somewhat eaten them up. Yeah. We don't hear right. often of I, Easter carols anymore, do we? Right. I, my, perf- my favorite example of that, Timothy, is there was a really lovely melody for an Easter carol that in the late Victorian age got Christmas words put to it and disappeared as an Easter carol. <laughs> the carol is uh, uh, Good 
Stephen Wenceslas. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And it was beautiful Easter carol that we've all forgotten because the melody now appears to us another Christmas carol. You know, here at Beeson Divinity School, I have to tell you, we, we like things that are kind of old and traditional and not very avant-garde. Uh, and so we try to teach our students some of the old hymns of the faith. But we recognize that there are exciting new Christian music, Christian poetry that's being written today. And we want to encourage that where there is an engagement with what we call the great tradition in a new vernacular, in a new way. Uh, which leads me to ask your own writing of some new Christmas carols. How did you get into this? How do you go about writing a new Christmas carol? Well, as I said, I got into it for two reasons. One is that I had been exploring for some time in my poetry uh, the various species of, of lyrics. So I was asking myself questions like, what is a what does an 18th century murder ballad look like? Mm. Why, why does it work in poetry as that way? Uh, and the second reason, of course, is that Christmas does still feel, what was the word you used, Timothy? Tilted. The mm. world feels tilted back toward the divine or to a perception of the divine yeah. at Christmas time. But uh, the other reason is that there are these lovely melodies out there uh, that I've been discovering, or that in the case of one of my new Christmas carols, the wonderful Protestant classical music composer Michael Linton. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, finding melodies is not a problem. Words are the problem. But the, the final reason here, Timothy, for writing new carols, and not just finding wonderful singers and musicians to record the old carols, is that... God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Hmm, that's you know, great. Our experience is alive yeah. still with God. We needn't rely on our performances to say we share the faith of our fathers. Yeah. We can write new songs to say we have faith now of our own. We're going to listen to a couple of your carols, just, a, just an excerpt from them, and ask you to say a little bit about each one of them. The first one... Uh, has a kind of lilting joy about it. In fact, it's called Joy Will Keep Us. Say a little bit about that one. Uh, that was my attempt to embrace what I think of as the madness of Christmas. Lots of my friends, Timothy, in the name of Christ, and, and for understandable and even applaudable reasons, want to shrink Christmas down. Mm. It's their rebellion against the commercialization and secularization of the holiday, and I understand it fully, Timothy. Mm. I also entirely disagree with it. Yeah. I think Christmas should be wild and mad and have reindeer in it and have everything you can possibly imagine, because the fact of the Incarnation... The, the insane, wild fact of Christ, God himself, coming into this world uh, is, is a kind of joyous madness and mess and embrace of, of the meatly, the incarnation, carne there, the, the root word of that is meat. You know, taking flesh is a wonderful, gross, wild thing, uh, and the wilder Christmas is, the more I feel it. Let's listen to this wild Christmas carol by Joseph Bottom, Joy Will Keep Us. See these fires aspire to heaven, hear these bells rejoice to ring. Seek the gift that God has given, join the song the angels sing. Faith fulfilled and hope come true, God's love has made 
Wonderful. Joy will keep us. And I want to also listen, Jody, to the second hymn you wrote, Some Come to See the Lord. Now, this is a different tonality, I think. Say a little bit about this hymn. It's a little bit more mystery, I think, here. A little bit, I don't want to say more depth, because there's depth in the first one we heard. But there's something else going on here. What is it? I'm not sure. Uh, This is an attempt. Some Come to See the Lord. Uh, What was in my mind was... Uh, an effort to to speak of the mystery, or uh, to to point toward, because you know if it's a mystery we can't speak of it, but to to point toward this mysterious thing that draws such emotions from us, and and I wanted to say sometimes we go back, we come to the manger because you know we remember the old Christmas carols we sang when we were young, and sometimes we because our hearts are shattered. Uh, and sometimes we come because uh, Christ is a solution to the problems of knowledge and the problems of metaphysics. And sometimes we come just because the act of charity itself begins to echo with Christ. Uh, and for all these reasons, they all you know, loop around this. I think what is most personal in this song is the verse about... Um, uh, that we will escape the sadness, that, that at Christmas now there lives grace and gladness. Exactly. There's a note of hope here. Uh, let's listen. Some Come to See the Lord by Joseph Bottom. Some come because as children they sing old Christmas. 
because as children they suffered hurts and wrongs the wounded poor and shattered the heart sick lost and battered some come for life restored some come to see Some come to see the Lord. What a great new carol by Joseph Bottom. Joseph, this has been wonderful having you on the Beeson Podcast today. Thank you so much for writing these carols and for sharing them with us today. Oh, Timothy, thank you so much for, for having me on the on the podcast. 
If you want to know more about Jody Bottom and his work, you can go to josephbottom.com. That's his website. You can download these two carols we've heard today from iTunes or Amazon. And I also would recommend your checking out Jody's recent book, The Second Spring. He's a wonderful writer, a wonderful thinker, a wonderful Christian believer. So, Jody, it's been a joy having you here. I hope we'll talk again soon. God bless, Timothy. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.